Right, well, if you would take your Bibles, if you have one, and uh, turn it to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 10. Mark in chapter number 10, and as you're turning there, if you're able to stand out of respect and reverence for the reading of God's Word, let's go ahead and do so. Uh, Mark chapter number 10, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 16 this morning. A little less controversial this morning. Uh, Last week was uh, a little difficult passage to wade through, Um, so I'm thankful (laughs) that uh, we're in a little less controversial of a passage this morning. Uh, But uh, Mark chapter number 10, verses 13 through verse number 16, the Bible says this, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And could we pray one more time? Lord, thank you for the service thus far. And uh, Lord, now as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that uh, you would give, give us a heart to hear. Um, Lord, ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have for us. Help us, Lord, to receive the word of God with all willingness and readiness of mind. And Lord, that we would be willing to take these thoughts and these truths and apply them to our lives. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So today is Mother's Day, and um, this is not necessarily a Mother's Day sermon. However, we do find ourselves in an appropriate passage of Scripture for Mother's Day. Um, I believe it is appropriate that we find ourselves in this particular uh, passage of Scripture. It's in this passage that we find little children being brought to Jesus. And it is in this passage that we learn how much Jesus values little ones. It's interesting to note that as Jesus draws near to the cross, just days before he gets to Jerusalem, before he starts the Passion Week, as he, remember, enters triumphantly into Jerusalem on uh, the back of a donkey. And remember, everybody on Palm Sunday puts those palms down and their clothes, and Jesus is going across all of that, and they're yelling and, and, and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He, well, he's just days away from that. And, and you know, he's, I'm sure, got a lot on his mind, and, and uh, there's a lot going on, and there's a purpose in his step as he's walking, and uh, yet he still takes time in that moment to teach about the family about the importance of marriage, and we looked at that last Sunday. But then now, today, as we look at this little brief passage, uh, we see Jesus taking time to minister to young children. Now, most would, would in that moment, say, I don't have time for those little, uh, little kids. I, I've got things to do and, and, and people to see. And, and, and yet Jesus, in the busyness and in the purpose of what he's doing takes time to minister to little ones. 
And in this passage that uh, is before us today, God has three very important lessons that I want to focus in on. Um, and uh, I think that if we are willing to hear them, I think it'll make a great impact in our, in our own families, in our own uh, individual lives, in our church, and in our community. What are these lessons that God has for us this morning in this brief passage about these little children being brought to Jesus? Well, first of all, we need to, lesson number one, we need to learn to bring children to Jesus. In verse number 13, it says this, And they brought young children to him. Bring children to Jesus. Now, who is they? Who is when, when Mark says, and they brought young children, who, who, were, who was they? Well, most definitely it was moms and dads. It was the parents bringing their young little ones to the Lord Jesus. And so today, I realize that it's Mother's Day, and typically I was, you know, Mother's Day sermons are typically about how wonderful moms are. And then Father's Day sermons are about how terrible fathers are, right? And, uh, and today is a little bit of a balance. Um, moms, we do appreciate you, but there is a responsibility that God has given you as moms. And then dads, you're not off the hook today. I realize it's not Father's Day, but I'm going to be preaching to you a little bit today too. And grandparents, I realize it's not Grandparents Day, but hey, there's some responsibilities that God's given you as well. So moms and dads, grandparents, can I tell you that there is no greater purpose for your role as a parent or as a grandparent than to bring your children, grandchildren to Jesus. And so here in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 13, there was a group of parents that said, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're going to get our kids and we're going to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to be the priority of our lives. Uh, they... You see, we as parents need, yes, we need to provide food and clothing for our children. Absolutely true. We need to provide a roof over their heads and a warm bed to sleep in. You bet. And yes, we are responsible to provide them an education and to prepare them for life. But the number one most important priority in our lives as parents and as grandparents should be bringing our children to Jesus. And this group of parents, they were doing that. This word brought, <coughs> in verse number 13, it says, and they brought young children. This word brought is an imperfect tense in the Greek. And I don't mean to, I, you know, I know it's all Greek to all of us, but um, it, this particular tense that uh, God in his word inspired um, is in an imperfect tense, which indicates that they continued to bring their little ones to Jesus. This was a, a continual throng of people that were uh, continuing to bring their kids to Christ. And I want us to see a couple important aspects about these parents here in Mark chapter number 10. First, I want us to consider their resolve. Look, they made this the priority of their lives, and they brought their children to Jesus despite what others thought, and no matter how they were treated. As I mentioned, they continued to bring them to Jesus, and, and they had people trying to forbid them to bring them to Jesus. And it was none other than the illustrious disciples. 
In verse number 13, it says, And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Uh, No doubt it was, hey, Jesus doesn't have time for these little kids. They're a distraction. Hey, he's going to the cross. He's going to become our sacrifice. He's got important things to do. He doesn't have time for these snotty-nosed little kids. You know, these parents said, I don't care what they say. We're going to bring our kids to Jesus. They They had a resolve in their heart that they were going to do it no matter what. It didn't matter what their friends thought. It didn't, it didn't matter what the disciples thought. It didn't matter what their family members thought. Look, we're bringing our kids to Jesus. It didn't matter what the, the little kids were thinking or how they were acting. It doesn't matter. We're bringing them to Jesus. You see, they made sure their kids got to the Lord Jesus. And, and moms and dads, can I remind you that if we're going to get our kids to Jesus, it's not going to happen by accident. There needs to be a deliberate, intentional effort to bring them to the Lord. We must have a resolve to do so no matter what. We must not care about what others think and what our family thinks. Perhaps our friends think. Our neighbors think. Some may, man, you guys are always going to church. Amen. What What a testimony. Look, you are responsible to bring your children to Jesus and make, must make every effort to do so despite what others may say or think. And more important than preparing our kids to be successful in the world's eyes, we must prepare them to meet the Lord. There's a, there's a sign. I, I've, I've seen it many, many times, and I think there's a picture of it that we'll put on the screen here. There is a 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. But there is a 100% chance that your children will stand before Jesus. Whether it's at the judgment seat of Christ as a believer or the great white throne judgment as an unbeliever. So get them to church. Um, or in my, I would rather say get them to Jesus and make sure they get to Jesus. Look, I'm not against sports. Our kids like sports. I like sports. Our kids, since I've been a parent, have played, um, you guys have played hockey. You guys have played basketball. Um, And I'm not against any of those things, but we got to make sure that that's not the priority. The priority is getting them to Jesus. I'm not against the debate team, the chess team, underwater basket weaving, or whatever your interest, your children are interested in. So long as it doesn't interfere or hinder you from bringing them to Jesus. My children have been involved in sports, as I mentioned. They've also recently, in recent years, been involved in Civil Air Patrol, as I know there are others in our church who are part of that as well. And in both Uh, There have been times when we had to tell them no so that they can be in church, so that they can get to a place where they can hear about Jesus. Well, there's practice. There's a game. There's something special on a Sunday. I get it. One time there, I remember when they played hockey, they they rented out the rink, the the, the hockey team did, and it was going to be a family party. And uh, the, the, the dads got to play. So we made that a priority. But guess what? We made it a priority between the services. We didn't miss church. Uh, Because, look, 
they're probably not going to be in the NHL someday. I mean, that'd be kind of neat, but I would rather them live a life that would please the Lord and make sure that they're saved and have a relationship with God and are living according to the word of God than to making millions of dollars in professional sports. And these parents, they wanted to make sure, they had a resolve that, that, to get their kids to Jesus. And so we see their resolve. But uh, next, I want us to look at their reason in verse number 13. It says, they brought their young children, they brought young children to him. Why? So that he should touch them. Now, back in those days, it was customary for Jews to bring their children to a rabbi to have them put their hands on them and bless them and give them a blessing and an encouragement. And so they were doing this. And, and look, they wanted Jesus to touch them. These parents knew that their little ones needed a touch from the Lord Jesus Christ and that he would make all the difference in their lives, more than they needed intelligence, more than they needed a real edu education or social aptitude and, and all the other things that this life has to offer. They needed more than all those things. They needed a relationship with Christ, and they needed a touch from the Lord Jesus. Can I remind us all this morning that as parents, we need to have the same reason that we get them to Jesus so that Christ can make all the difference in their life. Well, not everybody was happy about this. Not everybody was saying amen in that moment. In verse number 13, his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Again, I imagine their intent was right. Their heart was, you know, in the right place. And they wanted to protect Jesus from all the distraction and from the throngs of people, and especially from uh, probably uh, kids with uh, dirty diapers. They didn't need to bother Jesus with that. So let's push these kids aside and, and, and make room for Jesus to continue his journey towards Jerusalem. And uh, we need to realize how Jesus reacted to them, to these disciples. In verse number 14, when Jesus saw it, he was not just displeased, but Mark says he was much displeased. Because he said, look, these children are important. These children are valuable. When I think of parents bringing their children to God, I think all the way back in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. I think of Noah and Mrs. Noah. I think they had a resolve. They were willing to do what they could to encourage their boys and, and their wives to uh, make sure that they were in that ark. And no doubt there were people making fun of them. No doubt there was uh, people mistreating them because of what they were doing. But they had a resolve and they had a good reason too because they knew that judgment was coming and they had to prepare their kids uh, for that time of judgment. And look, Moms and dads, there is a time of judgment coming. That's right. And we need to be reminded of that. That's right. And we need to be preparing them, preparing our children for that. And I'm sure their boys maybe didn't like all the rules and, and things that mom and dad were trying to do, but I guarantee at the end of the day, they were so very glad that mom and dad did what they could to get their kids to the Lord. And on that boat... Moms and dads and grandparents, let's make sure we get our kids 
on the ark. Let's make sure we get our kids to the Lord. And so we see that they brought their kids to Jesus, and we need to bring our kids to Jesus. God didn't give you kids just so that, you know, you could kind of relive your childhood. God didn't give you kids just so that you could, um, you know, help them to be successful in this world's eyes. God gave you these kids as a stewardship to prepare them, not just for this life, but for eternity. So bring your children to Jesus. Uh, What's another lesson we see from this passage? And this one's to all of us. We need to learn the lesson to believe like a child. Believe like a child. In verse number 14, as Jesus uh, begins to encourage and chide his disciples, verse 14, when Jesus thought he was much displeased and said unto them, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Stop, stop stopping them from coming. <laughs> so forbid them not. For if such is the kingdom of God, and then he says in verse number 15, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Jesus takes this opportunity to teach his disciples and us about the importance of believing and what, what, how, we, how we are going to be able to enter into the kingdom of God is not by having all the experience and all the, all the intellect this world has to offer, but to have the faith is of a little child. Well, how, how are we going to believe like a little child? Well, it requires a couple things. First, it requires humility. Young children, most of the time, have a humility about them. I know there's exceptions. <laughs> I've had four kids, and they've been pretty proud at times. But most little ones have a humility and are completely dependent. Uh, In the Gospel of Luke, the parallel passage in Luke, he refers to these little children as infants. So, Miss Becca and Brother Ethan, uh, little little Jet, they were bringing uh, kids like little Jet's age to Jesus. And he is completely dependent upon mom and dad. Maybe he doesn't think so. But he is. Okay. Uh, he needs mom and dad to provide food for him. It's not like he can go out and, you know, get a job tomorrow. Uh, he needs mom and dad to provide all that stuff and to take care of him. He's not able to do that. And, and, and he has a realization of that for the most part. And, and you and I need to have a humility when it comes to understanding our need for a Savior. We need to have a humility about us knowing that we can't get to heaven on our own. Having a realization about our own condition, our own sinful, wicked condition before God. Our, our inability to earn our way to heaven. Look, that requires a humility that recognizes that I need Jesus. And if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, we need to have that humility as a little child. But then we, it doesn't just require humility, it also requires trust. Now, kids are pretty trusting, and they're naive. You know, and I've used, the, uh, I've used this illustration. I don't know that I can do it anymore. Our kids are a little big for this. But I'd put them up on a table or, or somewhere, and I'd say, Buddy, do you trust me? And they'd say, Oh, yeah, Dad, I trust you. I'd say, Okay, well, let's see if you'd really trust me. Go ahead and jump, up, <laughs> jump into my arms. 
So I'm not going to have Seth come up and do this because uh, that would be, we'd be having to call the ambulance probably. Um, I don't know that he can trust me anymore on that. He trusts me in other ways, but not in that way. Kids are pretty trusting and children are. They're willing to do that. They're willing to jump and to just trust their dad. They believe almost anything you tell them as truth. But, but not us adults. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're too wise for that. You see, we've been around the block. And like farmer's insurance, you know, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And so as a result, we're, we're jaded. We're skeptical. We're suspicious. We're cynical. Because we've been hurt. We've experienced tragedy and people have let us down. We've seen some terrible things in this life, and and so as a result, we trust no one. We trust no one, not even God. And this is mankind, generally speaking. The longer we're alive, the more we kind of go, you know what? I just don't trust anybody. And this whole idea of God, that's just a far-fetched fairy tale for people who need a crutch. But I, I can make it on my own. No, no, if we're going to come into the kingdom of God, we've got to have faith as a little child. We, uh, we need to come as a little child with the humility of a child and, a, and the trust of a child. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you to have some humility, to realize that you cannot earn your way to heaven? There's no amount of good works that any one of us can do. To get our way to heaven. It takes humility to recognize that. And to place your faith in him. And, and, I, and I realize you've experienced some difficulty and some tragedy in your life. I think all of us have. That, that's part of life. But trust him. And when you do, it says, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall enter in. But you can reverse that statement. Whosoever shall receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall enter therein. You can have that relationship with God and you can be part of his family and part of his kingdom if you're willing to have the humility and the trust to repent of your sin and believe on Christ and what he did for you. So lesson number two is to believe like a child. Lesson number three, very quickly, lesson number three is this. We need to bless the children. Bless the children in our home, in our church, in our community. I love what he, I love verse 16 in this passage as a display of the value of children. And again, thinking about Jesus and, and what he was doing and, and where he was headed in, in chapter number 10. He's getting close to Jerusalem. He's getting close to the cross, to the moment when he would lay down his life as a ransom for, for many. He takes the time here in verse 16 to take these little infants. They probably had snotty noses. They probably had dirty diapers. They probably weren't all quiet and doing exactly what mom and dad wished they were. They probably were messy. They probably didn't smell the best. The Bible says he took them up in his arms And then he put his hands upon them and blessed them. 
How beautiful is that? Showing us the value, again, that God and the Lord places upon little ones. How are we going to bless the children? Well, three different ways here. We are to bless them with our touch. Again, in verse number 16, he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. He was willing to touch these kids that the disciples were like, man, you do not need to be near these kids. These kids smell. These kids are messy. These kids are going to put their hands all over you, mess up your nice robe. (laughs) I mean, you don't want them near you. Jesus took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and blessed them. So think about blessing with touch. I'm reminded of the father in the parable of the prodigal son. When his boy, his dirty, smelly boy of his returned home from wasting his substance with riotous living and no doubt since spending time in that pig pen did not smell great, was not clean. The Bible says this, he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. There was touch, there was affection. I read this very sad (coughs) illustration here, and it says this, no more convincing evidence of the absence of parental affection exists than that compiled by Renee Spitz. In a South American orphanage, Spitz observed and recorded what happened to 97 children who were deprived of emotional and physical contact with others. Because of a lack of funds, there was not enough staff to adequately care for these children ages three months to three years old. Oh, nurses were there to change diapers and to feed and bathe the children, but there was not enough time to hold to cuddle, to talk to them as a mother would. After three months, many of them showed signs of abnormality. Besides a loss of appetite and being unable to sleep well, many of the children lay with a vacant expression in their eyes. And after five months, serious deterioration began to set in. They lay whimpering with troubled and twisted faces. Often when a doctor or nurse would pick up an infant, it would scream in terror because it was not used to being touched. 27, almost one-third of those 97 children died the first year, but not from a lack of food or health care. They died of a lack of touch and emotional nurture. Because of this, seven more died the second year. And only 21 of the 97 survived, but most suffered serious psychological damage. I read another story about a wounded soldier who returned from his time in Vietnam. He was in bad critical condition. Because of his time there, he lost his eyesight and was blind. His mind was completely clouded and his body was totally mangled. His mother traveled over 2,000 miles to be by his bedside. As soon as she entered the hospital room, she laid her hands on his brow without saying a word. 
And instantly he said, Mother, is that you? I, I know it's you. She hadn't spoken, but he knew the tender touch of her hand. So moms and dads, the right type of touching, a hand on the shoulder, a hug, cuddling, holding hands. I mean, I used to hold hands with my boys. It would be awkward if Seth and I held hands as we walked to Walmart, wouldn't it? Uh, Actually, it would be somewhat normal uh, scene going into Walmart in that scenario. Anyway, um, but here's the deal. Um, Now I don't hold his hand. I can't. I, I, when, when, he was, when he was, you know, able to hold his neck up, you know, at that, I don't remember what, how old he was at that point, but I remember um, holding him in my, in my arm right here and just kind of holding him up like this and carrying him around with me. And, and I, I just would do that all over, all over the church campus as I was doing lockup. That's how I would do lockup. I would hold, my, hold Seth like this in my arm and, and I'd go and lock up all the doors uh, you know, and, and when he got a little older, he, I put him on my shoulders, and, and then one time he spit up on me and went all over my, <laughs> back when I had hair, you know, and it actually does kind of make some good mousse, you know, <laughs> and some gel, kind of makes the hair stay in place a little bit, that spit up does. Anyway, um, maybe that's what happened. <laughs> it kind of dissolved all the hair. But taking time to give appropriate good touches, Jesus put his hands upon them. And so I still hug these boys, punch them in the shoulder once in a while, and let them know that I love them. It's a good thing to do. And I believe if moms and dads gave enough appropriate touching when the children were young, they wouldn't desire inappropriate touching when they get older. And so those who have younger children or those who are going to have children down the road, keep that in mind to do a lot of appropriate touching. And and obviously, I'm referring to appropriate touch. I realize some have used inappropriate touching in parenting. Physical and even sexual abuse exists, sadly. By the way, can I just say this too, when it comes to corporal punishment, to um, chastisement as found in the Word of God, it is something that God does instruct parents to do, regardless of how much it makes your children cry. It is actually a uh, communication of love. And when you withhold that when they need it, it is a communication, not my words, God's words, that you hate them. Can I just encourage you when it comes to that to not use your hands to administer that type of uh, discipline, but to use what the Bible calls as a rod. Um, The Bible instructs us to use a rod, not our hands. Our hands are for touching and for providing and for blessing and not for disciplining. 
Of course, the rod is held by the hand. We understand that, but uh, to not use your hand to administer that type of discipline, but use a rod. Uh, my brother-in-law, they found a rod and they called it Rodney. And so, <laughs> and so they, we said, do we need to visit our friend Rodney? And, uh, and so they kind of don't like that name Rodney. So if you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, those poor girls, if they meet a guy in college, you know, named Rodney, they're going to be, you know, all this PTSD, you know, like, uh, I can't date you. I just can't. It just, I can't do it. Um, I don't want to visit Rodney. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, just a, an encouragement along those lines. So we are to bless our children with our touch. Uh, secondly, we are to bless our children with our time. Again, as we've mentioned a couple times in this message already, as Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, he carves out time to minister and to bless these infants. It's not like they can do anything for him. He makes time for them. He carves out time. Now, time is our most precious commodity. And you say, oh, no, 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 money is. No, no, you can always make more money, but you can never get back time. And so when you give time to someone, it communicates that you indeed love them. The Lord of glory, just a short time before the moment the entire world had been waiting for, the moment when he would become the ultimate sacrifice for our sin, he took time to minister to a bunch of toddlers. <laughs> there was a young man who was to be sentenced to the penitentiary. The judge had known him from childhood, for he was well acquainted with his father, a famous legal scholar and the author of an exhaustive study entitled the law of trusts. Do you remember your father, asked the judge to the son? I remember him well, your honor, came the reply. Then trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge said, as you were about to be sentenced and as you think about your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? There was a pause. And then the judge received an answer he had not expected. Here's what the boy said. He said, I remember when I went to him for advice. He looked at me from the book he was writing and said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me away saying, run along, son, this book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him, though, as a distant authority. The George mut judge muttered to himself, alas, he finished the book but lost the boy. Then there's Charles Francis Adams, the 19th century political figure who was, by the way, the grandson of John Adams. And Charles Adams was also a diplomat who kept a diary. And one day he entered into his diary. He said, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. Well, his son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary which is still in existence today. And on that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. The father thought he was wasting his time while fishing with his son, but his son saw it as an investment of time and expression of love. So moms and dads, when you give time to your kids, don't think, well, I've got things to do. Those things can wait. But time with your kids is fleeting. 
It's hard to believe that Seth is going to be graduating in just how many days now? Whatever Friday is. He's going to be graduating from high school this Friday. James had it right. What is our life? It is even a vapor. Appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's poof. And, and those who are empty nesters, it's almost like, man, that went so fast. So for those who still have children in the home, redeem the time that you have with them. Don't ever look at time with your children as a waste. You look at it as an investment. And Jesus here took time to invest in the lives of little ones who couldn't do anything for them. May the Lord help us to give time to our children. And we can bless them with our time. And then thirdly, we can bless them with our teaching. And this kind of connects back to the first thought that we need to bring our children to Jesus. One way we can do that is through our teaching. Intentional, deliberate teaching. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Bear with me as I read a few of these verses because they're very important. Not just, oh, you say, well, that's in the Old Testament. Oh, no, no. These, these are things that we should be applying to our lives in the New Testament as well. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And then he says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And then thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. You see, God has given us his word. And, and, and to not just keep it for ourselves, yes, it shall be in thine heart, but then he gives us a responsibility. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. God has given us the responsibility to do that. If you would take a moment and turn over to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, and as you're turning over there, I want to remind you about one other man in the Bible who was taught the Scriptures at home. He was a very instrumental part of the New Testament, a companion, a co-laborer of the Apostle Paul. One who the Apostle Paul said was like-minded with him. The man, Timothy. Timothy, Paul said to this to Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So someone at home had been investing in Timothy's life and teaching him the scriptures. Who was it? Well, it was Lois and Eunice, his mom and his grandmama. It was his mama and his nana that invested in this young life to uh, said, hey, look, we're going to bring him to Jesus by blessing him and in, in teaching him the truth. So they didn't delegate that to anybody else. They took it upon themselves to make sure that he knew the scriptures. Was everybody for it? Probably not dad. Dad wasn't even saved. 
Dad was a Greek, he was a Gentile, and he hadn't come to know the Lord as his Savior, and to our knowledge, never did come to Christ. And so no doubt, it was probably like Dad walks in the room when Mom and Grandma are sitting there teaching Timothy the Scriptures, and, and he walks in the room and goes, the Bible again? Can't we just turn on the game? They're like, well, we need to get through this first. Can we, can we please get through this first? And they made sure that Timothy learned the Scriptures. Mom and Dad, it is your responsibility to teach your children the Scriptures. Psalm 78, your Bible is open there. Look in verse number 1. Give ear, O my, o my people, to uh, my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. So here Asaph is saying, our, our parents told us, our parents taught us uh, the Scriptures, the truth of what God has done. But then verse 4, he says, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. You see, here we have a responsibility as moms and dads to teach the Scriptures to our children. It's not the government's job to do that. It's not the public school's job to do that, and you think it is, they're probably not going to do that. It's not the Christian school's job, per se. It's not even completely the church's job to teach your children the truth. Now, to a point, God has given the responsibility to the church to teach scriptures, but you cannot only rely upon that. While the church is here to help you with this, ultimately the ball is in your court. God holds you and me as parents accountable to teach our children about the Lord and about salvation and to bring our children to Jesus. Now, this may require a little tweaking of your schedule to make this happen, but can I tell you, it is so worth it. And if it is to be that important... We need to make time for what's important, and we do that. We make time to be on social media. We make time for entertainment. We make time for our leisure. We make time for our hobbies and our interests. But do we take time to fulfill God's responsibility for us as parents, which is to teach our children the truth of His Word? Do we do that? If not, that would be a great decision for you to make today on this Mother's Day to tweak your family schedule to make sure that there's time in your schedule where you are teaching the Scriptures to your children. So on this Mother's Day, all parents and grandparents, can I encourage us to recommit ourselves to bringing our children and our grandchildren to Jesus? To be reminded that this is our chief goal of parenting, to prepare them for, for life, yes, but most of all, preparing them for eternity, preparing them to meet the Lord. And as a church, let's rededicate ourselves to bringing the next generation to Jesus. 
We have Vacation Bible School coming up in just seven short weeks. Vacation Bible School has been used of God in the past greatly here in our church and in churches all over the world to bring children to Jesus. My wife and I were having dinner with the McMillans on Friday, and they were sharing their salvation testimony and how they came to the Lord Jesus. And Miss Kim was sharing how as a young girl through VBS is when she came to know Jesus as her Savior. And if I'm not mistaken, our very own Miss Robin, wherever she is, there she is, you were saved at VBS too, weren't you? Friend, we're, we're going to be having VBS here in about seven weeks. Um, what future Kim McMillan needs to be reached this year at our VBS? What future Mrs. Nutt needs to be reached this year? So I want to encourage you, we have a sign-up sheet in the back. You say, this is an announcement time, this is your sermon. Well, I saved announcement time for my sermon. Uh, but we do have a sign-up sheet there. I would encourage you to sign up to help get children to Jesus. And obviously, um, I want to encourage you to invite young families to our church for VBS, but also to our church in general. I'm, I'm thankful for each and every person that makes up our church, young and, and the more seasoned. As I was typing that, I was like, I can't say old there. Um, that just would not go over well. But I am thankful for each and every person in our church. But as I consider the future of our church, I want to see younger families here who are going to raise their children here, who will be the ones, the future deacons, the future pastor maybe, the future song leader, the future pianist. Because we're not going to last forever. And I would like to see this church continue on. And so let's look for those opportunities to get the gospel to young children. For those here who are not yet saved, can I encourage you to receive the kingdom of God as a little child? To have the humility and the trust of a little one to repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for you and rose again the third day? Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales, carrying her tiny baby in her arms when she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard. She never reached her destination, and when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers beneath a mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it about her baby. When they unwrapped the child, to their great surprise and joy, they found that he was alive and well. She had mounded her body over his and given, literally given her life for her child, proving the depths of her love. Years later, that child, David Lloyd George, grow, grew to manhood, became, ended up becoming the Prime Minister of Great Britain, without doubt one of England's greatest statesmen in their history, because a mom gave her life for her child. Friends, Jesus gave his life so that you could live. Not just here on this earth, but for eternity in heaven. It does require humility and trust. 
And then let's be sure as parents and as a church to continue blessing the children with appropriate touch, with time, and with teaching. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this special day to, yes, honor moms, but also to be in your word and to learn lessons from this passage of Scripture that, uh, Lord, shows us your value that you place upon little ones. Help us to place the same value on these little ones as you do. And Lord, we're thankful for your, in a spiritual sense, how much you value us as your little ones, as your children. Thank you that you care for us and that you are never too busy for us and that you want to touch us and teach us. Help us, Lord, to transfer that to our own parenting and grandparenting and to our church as we minister to young children. And Lord, I ask that you'd help us uh, to be faithful in those regards, but also, Lord, if there's one here today that has never trusted you, may you grant them the humility and the trust of a little child so that they might be able to enter into the kingdom of God. Our heads are bowed.